Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Technical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. America. Soccer new. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 170 of Soccer Noob Rocket America featuring my 11-year-old daughter. Hello! That is Person Noob, new to being alive. I am Soccer Noob, comparatively new, most likely to you, to uh, following the world of soccer. So we're here to learn about it together. And we've got plenty of stuff for you veteran fans as well. We've got all kinds of things. We've got music. We've got geography, trivia. We've got we've got matches from leagues that no other podcast, at the very least in the Western world, is even touching because we don't care what country it's in. If a match is important where it's being played, we are going to cover it. That is usually... Uh, top two matchups from leagues anywhere in the world, top flight leagues, international tournaments. We've got those covered. Everything your little footy heart could possibly desire. Oh, that'd be a weird transplant to do, a footy and a heart together. Let's not think about that. All right, this particular week, we are going to be covering matches from Friday, January 12th through Thursday the 18th. So with no further ado, let's jump right in with... Match number one! Our first match is a Friday match from the 2023 AFC Asian Cup group stage. It is the start of that event. It was supposed to be held in 2023, obviously by name. Got ever so slightly delayed, and that was because of the high summer temperatures in the host nation of Qatar. This is a quadrennial event. Is the Continental National Team Championships for Asia. 24 teams are left after the qualification stages are done. Uh, the teams have been divided into groups of four, and they are playing a single round robin in Qatar. The top two in each group will automatically advance, and then the four best number three finishers as well. So yes, they're only eliminating 25% of the teams with the whole group stage. Go figure. All right, uh, these numbers are based on FIFA rankings. Your matchup, we decided to start with the hosts, since of course everybody starts off even. Number 61 FIFA ranked uh, Qatar versus number nine Lebanon, and you can catch this as you can. A whole mess of the games, maybe even all of them. 11 a.m. in the morning, Eastern Time US Paramount Plus. First, a note about how I would bet or not bet this, because uh, we're getting a little bit more into that as time goes on. It turns out as a noob, I've learned a few things over the years and I'm not too shabby at it. Lebanon, you should be able to get them for around plus 950. I do not think that they will win, but I will say that Qatar haven't exactly been on fire of late, and Lebanon has been on an upward arc. So because the payout is so good, I would take a flyer, place a, you know, a tiny bet on the Cedars and see if you can get a medium-sized payout. All right, Qatar. Um, they were host. They're now hosting this after China was supposed to, but then lost the bid. This was related to their zero tolerance policy for COVID nineteen. It was oh, oh, the irony. I know, but you know that's the way it is. It was going to be too hard to host there. Qatar's national team are known by their color as the Maroons. Their highest FIFA rank was number forty two, and that was in two thousand twenty one. 
all of their players are with domestic clubs there in Qatar. So that must be by rule, because otherwise I can't see how they don't have somebody exported out there into some of the European leagues that are pretty good and could be eligible otherwise. Even I even looked at the host of like recent call-ups to camps that didn't make the final, uh, you know, didn't make the final national team roster for this particular event, and none of they all play in Qatar. Kind of weird. 2022 was their first ever World Cup. They qualified because they were, as I'm sure you recall, the hosts. 2019, they won their first ever Asian Cup title. Yeah, you throw enough money in a problem and you can get it solved. Key player to look for. Well, I can tell you that they are captained by Hassan al Haidos. He is a forward who plays for one of their big teams there, Al Saad. He has made 175 national team appearances and scored nearly 40 goals over that stretch. Quite an international career. Team's current form, uh, they won their last two for the 2026 FIFA World Cup qualifying matches as well as a friendly. Then they went ahead and lost in a friendly to Jordan earlier this month. Really don't know how to read that, friendlies being what they are. Uh, prior to that, they had been getting wrecked all of 2023. They just weren't generating enough offense. Can they get it done against the Cedars, Lebanon's nickname? It's the tree that is right on their flag. You guessed it right. They are seated 12th in this event, by the way. Uh, their highest FIFA ranking ever was number 77. That was in 2018. They've never qualified for a World Cup. They've made three Asian Cup appearances. 2019 was the most recent, and they have never gotten past this, the group stage. Uh, they are captained as well by a guy named Hassan. His last name is Matouk, M-A-A-T-O-U-K. Might be getting the pronunciation right. Who knows? He is a forward for a club called Ansar. Good, but not a great one. He's made well over 100 national team appearances himself and has 23 international goals, which is the all-time national record for that team. And we have a USA connection here. They've got a guy by the name of Jackson Corey, K-H-O-U-R-Y, a forward who plays for Tormenta SC in the third division here in the States, League One. Now, he is not on the national roster, I don't think, but he was at the December training camp. And I didn't expect to see a USA connection of any kind, so I thought, what the heck. Team's current form, uh, they are 1-1 one one in their last two friendlies, and they got draws in their last two World Cup qualification matches. And uh, over that stretch of four matches, they had just a three and three goal differential. So however this turns out, I wouldn't expect a real high scoring affair. Match number B. That's right. Number B stands in for number two, daughter dearest. You have the right of it. Join us on a revolution and listen to this linguistic replacement that you should have in your lives. Get rid of that phrase. It's just nasty. Match number B is the first of a slew of Saturday matches. B is for Bundesliga, the top flight in Germany. It felt a little Sesame Street-ish. Kind of fun. Yeah, I was going to do a near far Grover thing. Well, that's not. Uh, this uh, is the number four ranked league in all of UEFA. They get four Champions League league stage, formerly group stage bursts. Uh, they'll get one into the Europa League and then one into the Europa Conference League. Those are the second and third best tournaments on the continent of Europe, respectively, uh, that ECL team will start in the playoff round. They're about halfway through the season in Germany, and your matchup is number four, Red Bull Leipzig versus number six, Frankfurt. Series between these to a slight advantage to Red Bull. They've accrued a 5-7-4 and four record over recent seasons. You can catch this one on ESPN Plus, the Plocho, 9.30 in the morning. Uh, a little bet advice on this one. Uh, stay off the money line. If you find a prop bet you like, fine, whatever. We don't look into those, but uh, Red Bull have won the last two, both at home, but the payoff is just 
terrible. If you're a, if you're a German league fan, veteran footy fans, I say bet Wolfsburg plus plus two twenty to win at Mainz. I think that is far and away the better bet than anything you'll find for big bets on this game. All right, let's look at Leipzig first, a fairly new club founded in 2009, not real popular around the country. They are seen as very much a corporate or a plastic club, which very much goes against the uh, sort of usual partner, uh, local partnership member uh, type rules and setups they have for most or all of the other professional teams in Germany. In their brief history, they've already twice finished as league runners-up. Last time was 2020-21. They are also the two-time defending FA Cup champions. They have already been to the Champions League nine out of the last ten years. They're about to play in the round of 16. They're still alive in this year's event against Real Madrid. Twice they've made the Champions League semifinals as well. Pretty darn good. And once again, the last time was 2021-22. Last year, they finished in third place in the league. Uh, this year, they're very well balanced. I don't think they're going to crack the top two. They're number three all the way across. Offense, defense, goal differential. Number three scorer, key player to look for with 11 goals already, Icoma Los Openda from Belgium. They're a 23-year-old striker who climbed up from uh, League One in France from a club called Lentz. Uh, Manchester United, Chelsea. Chelsea, Liverpool, so many of the big names over the Premier League are really interested in him. And goodness only knows what he's going to cost. Leipzig had to pay uh, Lentz, again from over in France, uh, well over 38 million pounds. Yikes. Tied for number three to assist with seven on the seasons is Xavi Simmons. He is from the Netherlands, a left winger, and just 20 years old. And he's got four goals as well. No real mystery about where he's probably going to play next. He's on loan here from PSG over in France. But you throw enough money at PSG, they'll probably take it because Man City, Manchester United, and Barcelona have been interested. There's not nearly as much TV money to be spread around over in France as there once was. Interestingly, in his youth, he actually came up with the Barcelona Academy, but then late in his teen years, he made what was considered a very surprising move over to PSG. He's already made 11 national team appearances, by the way. Teams current form, they are 4-1-0 in their last five across all competitions. And now your visitors out of Frankfurt, known as the Eagles. Also, they have a secondary nickname called the Slipper Kickers, which is just really fun. I had to look that one up. It goes all the way back from the 1920s when the team was financially backed by a shoemaking company that, amongst many other things, and somewhat as especially, were known for their slippers. So there you go. I hope they never lose it. They have only ever won one Division I title long before it was known as the Bundesliga. It was 1959. And then uh, that year, well, technically the next year, 1959-60, they won the event that was a predecessor to the Champions League. Last year was their first modern era Champions League appearance, and they got all the way to the round of 16. They've had two Europa League titles as well, and one of them was just two years ago. Last year, finished in seventh place. This year, they're not generating enough offense to really probably uh, get any higher than they are. One and two-thirds goals per match isn't bad, but this is a high-scoring league. That doesn't put you much above average in Germany. Uh, they do have the fifth-best defense and the fifth overall goal differential. They kind of are who they are. My opinion, the team MVP has been Omar Marmush. It's not just that I like his name, but maybe it is. Not entirely. He is from Egypt, plays striker for them. Three assists to go with his seven goals. Uh, he's made nearly three dozen national team appearances back in Egypt. And he has spent his entire senior career here in Germany. Interesting. 
And we have a couple of USA connections. First of all, I'll mention veteran Timmy Chandler. He plays right back for them, 33 years old. He's actually German-born, had a military dad, and was raised in Germany. Just happens to be U.S. eligible. And he actually did make nearly 30 uh, U.S. men's national team appearances between 2011 and 2016. And then on the other end of the age spectrum, just 20 years old, I believe still, that is Paxton Aronson from the U.S. Spent his youth and uh, his senior career before coming over here with Philadelphia Union of MLS. He's already made over a dozen national team appearances, quite the rising star. Team's current form, a 2-1 win over Gladbach, snapped a two-match losing streak uh, between league play and the Europa Conference League in which they were participating. Match number three. We remain on Saturday on the calendar, as we will for a good little while. The match we're going to look at next, however, briefly, is from Spain's La Liga at the top flight there. They are the second-ranked league in all of UEFA. And they get the same suite of berths into European competitions as does Germany. And they, too, are about halfway through their season. Your matchup, it's another number four versus number six. Athletic Club Bilbao from Basque Country versus number six, Real Sociedad. When they played earlier this season, it was Real getting a big 3-0 win at their place. And they lead the recent series 13 with a 13-7-10 and 10 record. You can catch this one 12.30 in the afternoon, Eastern Time of the U.S. on ESPN+. Plus. Once again, the Plocho or the Spanish Plocho, ESPN Deportes. I don't really know. What's Spanish for Plocho? Wait, that's not a real word in English, is it either? Plus, Ocho, Plocho. We get another animal in the house, another pet. I'm going to tell person if we have to name it Plocho. Yeah, I really don't have anything else on that. In fact, I don't really have anything else for this match for you because I'm tired of being so darn po. We want to figure out how to bet on this one, and rather than take my advice for it, let's cheat and turn to our 3,500-year-old in-house prognosticator, Noob Stradamus from the Thracian Plains of Greece. See if we can get him to have another drug-aided, or as it often sounds, drug-addled vision, and tell us how to bet this thing. Take it away, almighty soothsayer. Well, rats. And yet, hardly the first time we haven't been able to reach Noob Stradamus. Maybe he's hiding from us after having missed this last week's you know, prediction. Or it could just be that the Thracian Plains of Greece, it's hard to get that kind of mental signal through the universal infinite, whatever uh, drug-inspired craziness he has going on for that. But it was interesting in trying to tune him in. We did get to hear a little bit of what I'm sure was uh, the Bilbao Children's Choir, one of the more famous ones in Europe, if not the entire world. Pretty beautiful stuff. So at least that's interesting. Match number four. Just as it is the start of the Asian Cup, it is also the start of the Continental Championships in Africa, which the acronym for that is the AFCON, and it too was supposed to be held in 2023, got delayed ever so slightly, once again due to adverse summer weather concerns. It, it is being held in Ivory Coast, nevertheless, it's the exact same format as the Asian Cup in terms of how many are going to advance and how many teams are left alive. You can watch this one and a host of other events on uh, Be In Sports and Be In sports in espanol 3 p.m eastern time is when this is 
when this one is going to kick off. I'm just so anxious to talk about the host. Number 50, Ivory Coast. That's her FIFA ranking, taking on number 106, uh, Guinea-Bissau. As far as the uh, bet, I would just stay off this. Unless you're not a noob like me, if you're a real veteran, I would just stay off this. I mean, Ivory Coast is ranked way, way higher, but a lot of these matches, I think, are going to get played very close to the vest, and so you're going to end up with the potential for a lot of draws. I would just stay off this event until the knockout stage. In terms of betting it, you definitely want to track it, though, as we are. Let's talk about the host country first. Ivory Coast. Uh, unlike Qatar, uh, Ivory Coast would not have been in the top pot in terms of drawing. Uh, they put one from uh, the top quarter, second quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter in terms of uh, uh, FIFA rankings or seedings for both of the events in Asia and for this one. They got drawn out of pot number one, a slight advantage for the hosts, even though their own natural seed is actually only number nine for this event. They are known as the Elephants, and were ranked number 49 just last month. That is the best that they have ever been. 2006 through 14, they actually made three World Cup appearances, although they didn't get any further than the group stage. They've also won the AFCON title twice, most recently 2015. Uh, 2021, the last iteration of this event, they got as far as the round of 16. Key players to look for. They are captained by Serge Aurier. From, uh, he plays for Nottingham over in the English Premier League. He plays right back. Spent the longest portion of his career with dreaded Tottenham Hotspur. Good on him for getting out of there. He's made uh, 89 national team appearances since 2013. That experience, I'm sure, will serve them well. Their biggest offensive threat might be Nicolas Pepe. He's a right winger who plays for Turkish top flight club Trabzonspor. A good one, if not a great one necessarily year in year out he's only got 10 goals but he's done that in under 40 national team appearances the younger fella he spent longer stints of a senior career so far with teams like arsenal and lille started as a winger but he and he prefers to play on the right side but uh, for club play over in turkey and other places he's been converted to a striker so i think he'll be playing right wing for the national team but who knows they could sneak him in up even closer teams current form they are four two and oh in their last six that includes some friendlies and 2026 world cup qualifying matches the goal differential has been good but uh really some of those numbers have been inflated against some smaller teams they're performing okay. And that should be good enough to take on Guinea-Bissau, who are known as the Desertus, which is a kind of wild dog from that region of Africa. Highest ever FIFA rank they achieved was number 68. That was back in 2017. Uh, they are seeded out of the last pot, pot number four, but they are the best out of the last ones. They've never made any World Cup. No real surprise there. This is actually their fourth straight AFCON appearance. Very good for a country this size. Those are the only five, four times they have ever qualified for it. Key player to look for. They are captained by Jonas Mendes, a goalkeeper who is with uh, Greece Second Division Club Kalamata, veteran 34 years old with over 50 national team appearances. Biggest clubs he ever played for over in Europe were probably uh, Division II uh, ones in Portugal. I think the mo guy most likely to be scoring here, not that I would bet on him for a first goal or something necessarily, is uh, Zinio Gano. He is a forward who plays for current second division side. They spent several years in the top flight recently. Uh, Zolte Awergem. He's just got four goals, but hey, it's the most they've got on the active roster right now. Expect them to do their best to keep this incredibly low scoring. Team's current form, 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. They seem to only have success when they manage to keep uh, scores relatively low.
match number five. We move back to Europe for match number five for a match from the number six ranked league in all of UEFA. Talking about the Dutch era Divisie, they're about halfway through their season there. They'll get one team into the Champions League league stage, uh, one into the third qualifying round, probably one into the second qualifying round of the Europa League. That depends on how the FA Cup, uh, who wins that basically, won't get that far into the weeds. And then another one in the Europa Conference League. And like the rest of you, Western Europe, they are about halfway through their season. Your matchup, number three, FC Twente versus number four, AZ Alkmaar, or just AZ. Uh, Twente, they lead AZ by one point in the table is all. This is their first meeting of the season, and uh, AZ have had the advantage in recent matches, accruing a 13-4-9 record. I have thoughts on how to bet this one. Uh, take the home team on it, but only if you can get plus 130 or better on whatever platform you use for your gambling. Otherwise, I would lay off this one. All right, Twente, they play out of the uh, German border city of uh, Ensede in the Twente region. Uh, it's a German border town of about 160,000. It was a huge textile center until the jobs went and left for places like Southeast Asia all the way back in the 1960s. They're known as the, I don't know if it's Tuckers or Tukers, T-U-K-K-E-R-S, but it seems to be simply a nickname for people from this region in general. The crest is a really cool one, although I'm not sure Peta would like it necessarily. It's got a horse, and his tail is absolutely on fire. Yeah, I don't know why. Maybe it makes them run faster. Well, make me run faster if my tail end were on fire. And we have a little USA connection with this club. They have a relationship with the Dayton Dutch Lions of the fourth division here in the U.S., which is called League Two. They have won one league title. That was back in 2009-2010. Uh, this, despite the fact that they were right in the midst of a bunch of big financial issues uh, that continued, uh, nearly forced them uh, down a league uh, within just the last few years. 2010-2011, they made the Europa League quarterfinal. That is their modern best. Uh, back in 74-75, they made the semifinal of a predecessor tournament for the Europa League. Last year, they finished in fifth place. This year, they are very well balanced, tied for number four on both offense and defense, and are ranked the same place for goal differential. I think that they will make European competition. I don't think they will be going to the Champions League, though. Begging to disagree with me probably would be team MVP, in my opinion. Manfred Ugalde is a CONCACAF connection, if not a U.S. one. He is at a Costa Rica striker, 21 years old, seven goals, assists, assists. Not sh I couldn't find any really strong rumors on him, surprisingly, for where he might be headed next, where where he wants to be is Atletico Madrid. He's been very open about that. Team's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three league matches. And now AZ. Alkmaar is a city in the northwest part of the country, about 120,000 people. They are known as the Cheese Farmers, and one of only four traditionally open-air Dutch cheese markets anywhere is right here, which is wonderful, but they only demonstrate what the market would look like and maybe some of the cheese making. For whatever reason, they can't or won't actually sell the cheese to you for some reason, which makes me hate this city and this club and my life. And, well, no, okay, too far. But, you know, if you're going to have the cheese out there, you better gosh darn well sell it, in my opinion. They've won two league titles. Last one was 2008-2009. 
They finished in second place in the now Europa League back in 1980-81. 2022-23 Europa Conference League that made the semifinal. That's their modern best international finish. And they did get to that event's group stage this year. As last year, they were in fourth place. So that's where they went. This year, offense good. Defense very good. Top three in the league giving up less than one goal per match. Third best goal differential. Key player to look for, number B in scoring on the year so far with 18, Evangelos Pavlidis. He is from Greece, a striker. And the team's current form, mm, sliding a little bit. 1-0-2 in their last three competitive non-friendly matches. Even in the depths of winter, kitties crave nothing more than food, water, shelter, and a recap of last week's matches. They shall have it. Last week, Friday, was match number one from the Bermudian Premier Division. Number B, North Village Rams took on number one Devonshire Colts, and the Rams defended their home turf 2-1. to one. Match number B from the Premier League of Djibouti. Uh, we looked at number B, ASAS Djibouti Telecom versus number one AS Arta slash Solar 7. That was a mouthful, and apparently for no good reason, the match ended up getting pushed all the way to Monday the 15th. Saturday, match number three from the Premier League in Kenya. Number B, Posta Rangers hosted number one Gormahia. Gorm Mejia, they extended their lead at the top of the table with a nil-one win, and that knocked Rangers down to number three. Match number four was our minnow watch from the FA Cup third round, Maidstone versus Stevenage, and it was Maidstone getting the upset. The little guys are still alive from way down, and I believe it was the sixth tier. They got a one-nil-one. Match number five from Gambia's GFA League, their top flight, number one, Real de Banjul versus number B, Maramu. Fun to say, but not the team we picked to win. We relied on our gambling advice this particular week. Uh, we said to uh, bet Real de Banjul at 110, roughly, as long as you could get that. And they did, in fact, get the win and handily 2-0. That knocked Maramu down to third place. Match number six from the Maltese Premier League. Number B, Hamrun versus number one, Floriana. Hamrun Spartans got the 1-0 win, and that enabled them to switch positions. All hail the king. All right. Then we moved on to Sunday. Match number seven from the Lesotho Premier League. Number B, Matlama versus number one, Leoli. The result there, well, we didn't get one. The match is now listed as being uh, slated for January the 21st. Wednesday, match number eight from the French Division One Feminine. Yeah, the gals top flight there. Number one, Lyon versus somewhat distant second, uh, number B, Paris FC. Lyon won one. Now, not a huge surprise there. Uh, Ada Stolzmo Hegerberg that we said to look for. She had the goal. Uh, knocked Paris FC down to number three. PSG will occupy that second spot probably for the remainder of the season, making this a two-horse race at best. Match number nine from the Israeli Premier League. Number one, uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv took on number B, Maccabi Haifa. Yeah, sporting association rivals. And it was Haifa getting the, the uh, road win nil one. No change in the table there, but obviously the race just got a whole bunch tighter. And now, before we get to match number 10, let's take a look at the bonus matches really quickly from last week. The first one, and explanations will come later, was the first versus last place matchup. The route of the week match from Turkey's Super League. It was number 20, last place hapless Istanbul Sport, taking on mighty number one Fenerbahce, and Fenerbahce got a 5-1 win. Their stars came out to shine. Eden Dzeko had a goal. Sebastian uh, Zamanski, that we said to look for, had an assist, and uh, we did not mention this guy, and apparently we should have. Singiz Under, he had 
all the other goals that Eden Sheko did not. Yeah, four of them. What's the word even for that? I don't know anything past a hat trick. And uh, a race, I guess you would call that. In Istanbul, their lone goal was scored by their star, Muammar Sarikaya. And then your most meaningless match in the world from the Gibraltar Premier League. Number eight, Monskalpa took on number seven, Lynx. They played to an appropriate 1-1 meaningless draw. No change in the table there. And then finally, your match of disappointed was a Wednesday match. Uh, back closer to home in the Caribbean. Division to honor of Guadalupe, number 15, CERFA versus number 13, third to last place, uh, Solidarité, Scolaire. That match got postponed. And then finally, your match number 10, which we happened to cover last because of our great interview uh, that we had with uh, Tasso. He made it great. He of uh, Cafe Sinclair's uh, on Twitter. And this is Mappa, his show uh, with a friend of his, Stell, that they do on all things Cyprus football. The Cypriot First Division, number one, Applewell, took on number B, Anorthosis. Anorthosis did not pull off the win the way Person Noob predicted. She thought it was going to be something like 1-3, but Applewell extended their lead at the top with a simple 1-0 win. There was no change in the table there. Anorthosis still in second place. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into the upcoming week's matches with match number six. Let's spend the next portion of our Saturday in the Caribbean. I think we deserve it. Heading over to French Guiana's Regional 1. Yes, I realize that it's part of the South American continent, but it's on the Caribbean coast. has a lot of the Caribbean culture, and they play in CONCACAF, our region, not CONMEBOL. In fact, the winner will get to go to the CONCACAF Caribbean Shield, which is a tournament for amateur league champions. That is a feeder tournament to the professional one, a handful of countries that help put on the CONCACAF Caribbean Cup. They're about halfway through the season here, and your matchup is number B, Koru, versus number one, Etoile Maturi. Uh, right now, uh, Maturi, they lead Kuru by eight points in the table. Not much of a race going. Uh, Maturi have got to get three points to even flirt with the idea of getting an international competition. So it feels like this is a great time for us to take a break from the true footy talk and let my daughter take over with her special segment... Aminals from around the world. Yeah, I won't do the whole jingle because person, while she picked today's animal for this particular country, is only here in spirit. Here at the time that I had planned for us to record together, she is doing this middle school thing of going over to a sleep over ah, the halcyon days of youth. But I am very happy to do this in her stead, the animal that she chose to make you aware of, which is considered vulnerable or even still endangered, depending on the subspecies, is the West Indian, specifically manatee. Silly sea cow. I can't remember what show that's from. But anyway, so uh, despite its gargantuan size, it is an herbivore. That means it has to eat like four or five uh, hours a day and eats like up to 10% of its weight. Guess what else they eat? They eat each other's poop. Yeah. Person who was going to really have fun with that one, I guarantee you, I, she already knew working with these notes. Uh, the reason they do that is probably uh, they eat the, the fecal matter of one another's, uh, the opposite sex, and uh, they can somehow ugh, sense the difference in whether from the chemicals in there, whether uh, somebody is ovulating or ready to mate or not. Oof. 
another interesting fact about them, they seem to have this, you know, you know, gray, nasty skin that, you know, just isn't real aesthetically pleasing. But it turns out the things are covered in hairs. They're just a little bit hard to see, at least in some pictures. But the whiskers in particular and all over its body, really, they use those to navigate. And they can be found in salt or freshwater navigating. They tend to prefer the more brackish waters uh, in rivers. It keeps them away from uh, their very few, uh, let's call them quasi-natural predators. And not that they can really fight back, but something I found interesting, there are some kinds that actually have three to four nails on their flippers. They don't have a lot of predators. I'm not sure why they need those unless maybe it's somehow helping them, you know, clip the seagrass that they're uh, generally eating. Something else interesting about them, speaking of eating, uh, they're molars. They have like an assembly line. Uh, the seagrass and other plants that they eat are very, very tough on the teeth. And so they tend to fall out uh, very, very quickly. And so there's like this assembly line of teeth going from the back of the mouth to the front of the mouth. They are constantly making new, what we would call molars. They don't call them molars, but it's close enough for government work. Another interesting fact about these cuties is they have vocal abilities, probably mostly used during mating season, but not entirely necessarily. And uh, scientists aren't sure, but they may even be able to distinguish between individual voices. That is almost something that would certainly relate to mothers and their babies. Uh, as I mentioned, no natural predators. They tend to avoid deeper waters, hang out more in uh, uh, shallow coastal areas and uh, rivers because that keeps them away, at the very least from sharks. The only other animal that messes with them, and this tends to be more of a Floridian thing uh, than the uh, West Indian or Antillean uh, version of the manatee is uh, alligators. But again, it's not super duper common. Uh, their threats uh, aren't many in terms of natural predators because they weigh on average upwards of nearly a thousand pounds. Makes them, that means they're not very fast. They can't avoid the predators that are after them when that occasionally happens. But the other thing they can't escape, watercraft. Far and away the number one killer. It's especially predominant with the Florida manatees, but not remotely unheard of with the West Indian manatees. No matter what kind of boat you're talking about, they simply don't don't have the speed to be able to get out of the way. They can hear them coming. They just can't move fast enough. And oftentimes when there's one watercraft, there's a lot. So they just don't really have anywhere that they can go. Now, as bad as it is for the manatees, I can't think that's a lot of fun for the people on the boats either. Can you imagine something weighing a thousand pounds and hitting that with a wave runner? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's not much that'll make you not smile on a wave runner, but you won't be on the wave runner long when you hit a thousand pound sea cow. Other threats that these guys face is uh, also a uh, loss of warm water habitat, uh, largely due to climate change, uh, pollution, ingestion of debris. So these are all human things. And then getting caught in nets as well. Thankfully, uh, these guys are doing better than they once were, even though they're still, they've made it off of some lists, but all the laws have been left on the books that have helped protect them. And there are sanctuaries as well. And those efforts have been going on since the 1970s. So their populations have at least been stable if not actually improving. And so, once again, in the stead of the one we missed, Person Ub, I will once again tell you that this has been Aminos from around the world. Oh, yeah. Match number seven.
Flip the calendar page to Sunday, and we move just a little bit down the European coefficient table from where we've been. Headed to Greece, though. Who can complain about that? Top flight there is the Super League. It is ranked number 17, so within the top third of Europe. They do get sent two teams to the Champions League, but they will start in the third and second qualifying rounds, respectively, and then a team to the Europa and Europa Conference League qualifying rounds as well. They're about two-thirds of the way through their first phase, or what I would think of as the regular season before they uh, split up for a bit into relegation and championship rounds or halves. Split the table in half and they only play one another. Your matchup two teams that will obviously be well within the championship round. They're vying for the title. Number B, AEK Athens. Ayek versus number one, Panathinaikos. Panathinaikos currently lead Ayek by a point. Ayek lead another big rival, uh, PAOK Thessalonica by a single point. Series between these two just couldn't be any more even. 14 13 and 14 records. All right, Ayak, they are known, as is evident on their crest, as the double-headed eagle. This is the most supported club in the nation, very left-wing for its ideology and politics. It's ranked, uh, just to give you a little overall perspective for the continent, it's ranked just inside the top 150 in Europe. It's tied uh, with the really, really hot team from over in the Faroe Islands, K.I. Uh, Klaxvik, interestingly. Ayak have won 13 league titles, and they are your defending champions. Uh, their halcyon days are a little bit gone by in terms of European competition. They won what is now the Champions League, or no, they didn't win it, rather. They made it to the quarterfinals uh, back in the late 60s once, and then 10 years later, they made it to the semifinals of the now Europa League. This year, they got as far as the Champions League playoff round. That is the one right before the group stage where the event is really considered to, to officially, officially start. And then they, uh, that dropped them down to the Europa League group stage where they finished in last place, unfortunately. In league play, uh, they are a distant third best on offense, getting almost two goals per match. Like Germany, it's a very high-scoring league. It's going to be a theme for this show. They've also got a top three defense as well to go with that. Only the fourth best overall goal differential. I have a feeling this is going to be a disappointing year uh, for Ajax. They've just got to generate a little bit more offense if they really want to make Champions League. And they do. Key players to look for. Tied for third best in league scoring with eight is Levi Garcia. From, we've got a CONCACAF connection, Trinidad and Tobago. He is their striker. Uh, started his senior career with AZ Alkmaar, the team we mentioned earlier from the Netherlands. And then on the other side of things, I think our first defensive player to get mentioned, or one of the first this episode, second best save percentage, Shichan Stankovic from Austria. Spent uh, many years with his home country's big side, uh, Salzburg, before coming over here in 2021. But in my opinion, it's going to be a CONCACAF connection. No, I'm not biased at all. For their team MVP, I think that's been uh, Orbelin Pineda, their attacking midfielder from Mexico. Only has two goals and an assist. Not a lot for a guy who's technically listed as an attacking player, but the offense absolutely runs through him. He is setting up the guys who are getting the assists. And before coming over here, he spent long stints with pretty darn good clubs in Mexico, uh, Cruz Azul and Guadalajara. And he's made 66 national team appearances since 2015. Team's current form, they are on a good stretch right now. 2-3-0 and in their last five across all competitions. And now, Panathinaikos, they also play out of Athens. They are known as the Greens or the Shamrock, which is on their crest. Uh, no, this doesn't happen to be a direct connection to anything Irish. It has something to do, it's symbolic with like a peace or harmony or something like that over there. And again, a little continental perspective. This team, not as historically successful as Ajax. They're ranked just inside the top 250 in Europe.
They won what is now the Champions League. No, excuse me, I'm wrong on that again. They finished in second place. They lost in the final back in 1971. But they have won 20 league titles. Last one, it's been a minute, 2009-2010. The year before that, 2008-2009, they made it uh, to the first, they made it one round past the Champions League group stage. This year, they got to the playoff round and then, like their counterparts today, finished in last place in the Europa League group stage. 2009-10, they made the Europa League round of 16, though. This year, well-balanced, second best on offense, defense, and goal differential. I do think that no matter how this goes today, that they are going to be able to maintain a top-two position through the end of the season. Key players to look for. Tied for third best in league scoring with eight is Fotis uh, Ioannidis. He is their striker. Very young fellow, but he's already got eight national team appearances. A name to look for. I have a feeling, even though I'm not seeing any rumors about him right now, that he will be moving on to uh, even uh, greener money-wise uh, pastures further north and west in Europe as time goes on. Team, team MVP, in my opinion, though, and number one in passing accuracy is Ruben Perez from Spain, defensive mid fielder, 34-year-old veteran. Uh, he's been with Atletico Madrid, but he got loaned out a lot. He had to make all of one senior appearance with them over his appearances there. Spent the longest uh, career stretch over in Spain uh, with a lesser club, but a top fly one called Leganes. Also third best in accurate long balls, so that's a unique way in which they do some attacking. On the defensive side, third best in save percentage is Alberto Brignoli from Italy. Uh, most recently, he was with teams uh, in the top two divisions over there, Empoli and Palermo. And we have a USA connection, Eric Palmer Brown. Remember his name better in fans? Yeah, this came up with KC, and this is where he is plying his trade right now. Uh, he went over to Manchester City a few years back, but has always been loaned out. Biggest club he probably played for was uh, Trois, something of a Division One slash uh, Division B uh, yo-yo club, if you will. And he made four U.S. national team appearances since 2018. So not a regular, but somebody that you can bring into camps and do have some, have do some spot duty would be competent. Team's current form, they have won three straight in league. As far as betting, this is not a true road game for Panathinaikos. This is one of the Athens derbies. So don't be afraid to bet them, but I would only do it if you were getting plus 120 or better on your American betting odds. Match number eight. Our only other Sunday match, number eight, takes us back to Africa to Togo, the champion national is the top flight there. This is the 22nd ranked league in all of Africa, so well in the top half, but not high enough. you got to get in the top 12 in order to send two teams into the Champions League there for Africa. So they will only get one, just like most everybody else. They're about halfway through, or excuse me, almost a third of the way through the season there. So fairly early on. Your matchup. This was a top two when I scouted it. Things have changed a little bit since then. It is now number four, Gomido, versus number one, ASKO Dekara. That's just how tight the race is. Let's take a look at it. Uh, Asko Dekara, they lead number B. Oh, I don't even know how to begin to pronounce this. G-B-H-O-E-L-O-E. Gibohiloe, maybe. Sudelax by one on Goal differential could not be much of any tighter. They lead Gomito again in fourth place, but by just two points. And by the way, Gomito also have a match on hand on both Asco Dekara and the two other clubs that in two matches on the clubs that are in between them. So this is going to be one of the great world races here as we approach springtime.
All right, Gamito. They are in the city of uh, Kapalime, which is about uh, 75,000 or so people. It's in the southwest part of the country in an area called the Plateau region. It's only about 10 miles from the border with the nation of Ghana. This is the craftwork center of the country, very artisanal, also agricultural, very fertile land in this area. Footy-wise, the only CAF, that's the African Football Confederation competition that I believe they have ever been in, is the Confederations Cup, or what is now called the Confederations Cup, which is the equivalent of the Europa League there, by the way, a secondary international club tournament. That was back in 1994. This is rarefied air for them, at least recently, because last year they finished in just 11th place. This year, the defense, not much better than average, but the offense is very good for this nation. Uh, They are number one in that regard. It only takes one and a quarter goals per match to be number one down here. I don't know if the offense is that lacking or the defense is that good, but that is the case. They are tied for third best on goal differential. I'm not sure how much I like their chances to be the team that actually climbs up into first place. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 in their last three. And now ASKO de Cara. Cara is the name out of the uh, city out of which they play. It's in the east-northeast part of the country. Uh, I think it might have about 100,000 people. It's largely an area that the economy is based on subsistence agriculture. Uh, originally, the town uh, started to grow decades ago because it is at the intersection of two major crossroads here. So it's a big trading center. Something the country, uh, or not the not just the country, but this area is known for, is that annually for the nation they had a rite of passage wrestling tournaments here held. So uh, it, it's both a competition and a cultural thing in a different regard. You want to be a man, you've got to at least compete in this thing. Footy-wise, they have eight league titles. They are your four-time defending champions. I don't think that they have been past the Champions League uh, first qualifying round in four appearances. It was a little tough to find consistent information for this league. I can tell you that they're pretty well-balanced, though, and have the number one overall goal differential, even though they're not the best in offense uh, or defense. They're top three in both those regards, though. Team's current form, no real surprise here. They're unbeaten in their last seven. Match number nine. As we made our cuts for the top ten, there was no way around it. You're going to get a break from Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, our last two regular matches before we get to the super cool bonus matches. Start in Spain on Thursday. The Spanish Copa del Rey, their FA Cup, has reached its round of 16, and you've got the Madrid Derby going on, Atletico versus Real. But you know what? We're going to catch plenty of them in league. We'll cover this tournament again once it gets a little bit closer to the final. Really, that's just a reminder that it's going on, and there's a really good match that you can Google up with your computer powers and see what's going on. This is our chance to do a culture break when we reach roughly match number nine every episode and talk about something else else from the world of food. Usually it's food, but I've had some noodles recently. Sometimes it's art, architecture, various things. This time we're going to look at another little piece of European sports culture. Foosball. Table soccer is very, very popular over there. And while Spain is not one of the stronger Western European countries, as far as some of the things I was looking at, who's at the top of the rankings, I'll take just a moment to tell you about their most famous player or their top ranked player they have going on right uh, that is going right now. David Gagnon Teron. Yeah, you didn't know you were going to get foosball, did you? 
Most recently, Spain's top-ranked guy finished number four at the Campeonato uh, Villarejo de Salvanes 2023 ITSF Pro Tour 2023. It takes longer for me to say all that than it does for him to finish off an opponent, probably. Uh, he finished fourth place in the singles, and then he gets more of his points because the ratings seem to be combined for each individual player based on how you do points in both singles and doubles across all kinds of divisions. He actually won the event with his doubles partner. Uh, that is Hector Nunez Saez. So I haven't given you a lot on the Spanish foosball scene, but you probably weren't expecting any. And now we all know a little bit more than we did before. All right, now let's move on with match number 10. We're done. Finally. And our double-digit match takes us to South America for the first time this show for the Colombian 2023 Primera A Final. Yes, I've waited till just past the flipping of the annual calendar to do their 2023 championship. It is going to be hosted in Barranquilla, which is the home of one of the two teams, Junior FC, and they will be take on uh, Millonarios. Series between these two dead even, 15-10 and 15 over the last several seasons. When they play during the second stage, what in most South American countries would be called the Clausura stage. Here it is simply the final, uh, finalization. It was Melanarios winning at their home field 1-0. You can catch us, by the way, if your satellite package runs deep enough here in the U.S. on Nuestra Tele Internacional at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, Junior FC, again, their home is Barranquilla. That is on the Caribbean coast of the country in the north-northeast part. It's fourth biggest city in the country at one and a quarter million. It's really known for its chaotic urban planning. If you want to intentionally get lost. This is one of the easiest places in that country to do it. Uh, that was caused by just rushes of folks in uh, decades past that would come in waves, it would seem like. And so the city had to build up very quickly. And then before that, as a port city with a lot of government corruption, because there was a lot of money flowing around, well, it wasn't flowing into infrastructure. It was flowing into people's pockets where it shouldn't have been. And so, again, the construction there has been, the planning has been very haphazard, but makes for somewhat of a romantic city. The team are, is known as uh, Los Tiburones, the Sharks. They have won 11 league titles uh, internationally. They finished second best in the Copa Sudamericana. That is their secondary international club tournament in 2018. Their last Copa Libertadores appearance was in 2021, and they didn't get any further into the group stage. That is the South American Champions League, by the way, for newer fans. Uh, they qualified for this championship final uh, by winning that finalizaciones playoffs. They only finished number six in the regular season season, barely making the playoffs, in fact. Uh, they were decently well-balanced, much stronger on defense, though top four defense, only giving up a little bit over three-quarters of a goal per match on average. Key player to look for, number one league scorer with 18 on the air was Carlos Baca, veteran, 37-year-old striker, whose longest European stint, he was at a few different clubs, but uh, was uh, Villarreal. Uh, he's made over 50 national team appearances for Colombia, by the way, though he hasn't had any since 2018. He is known for being very quick and yet very pacey at the same time can cover a lot of ground and then maintain that distance as well. Team's current form, uh, their leg two loss of the semifinal in the playoffs leading to this final uh, was to Independiente uh, Medellin. That was their first loss in seven matches. 
And now, uh, Millenarius, they are known as the Ambassadors and play out of the capital city of Bogota. They have won 16 league titles, one of the country's historical greats. Uh, they made the uh, Copa Libertadores third qualifying round, once that might be the best they've ever done in that event. A couple of times they've made the Copa Sudamericana uh, semifinals, but most recently was just over a decade ago. They qualified, as you would guess, since the other team won the second stage. They won the Apertura stage, and they actually do call it that, the playoffs, after finishing second best in that stage's regular season. No, excuse me. They finished number seven, not second. And they were really uh, not much better than average statistically, so they just got hot in the playoffs. They only had uh, top nine offense. Uh, defense was a little bit better, only giving up one goal per match. Tied for six in that regard. Team's current form, not great. They lost their last four uh, regular season league matches with just a one versus four goal differential. Uh, betting advice on this one don't this is not a super cup but I have a feeling it might not be the most serious match there is out there uh, how you get into the Copa Libertadores is not by winning this event these two teams have already qualified for that this seems to be a kickoff event going into uh, the 2024 season Apertura stage so I would just you know, stay off either team might be playing a lot of reserves bring forth the bonus matches And your first is a first versus last place matchup that person noob dramatically calls the route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And it is a Saturday match from the Premier League of Cambodia, ranked number 33 of all the leagues in the AFC, the Asian Football Confederation. Now, the way things have been the last several years or so, your champions of a lot of different leagues have gone on to the Asian Champions League. The secondary international tournament uh, has been called the AFC Cup. That is all changing. There will now be three different international club tournaments, and your champion will go to a, one of any of the three. Not everybody, can, not every country can send somebody to the Champions League. It's just the way they're designing things. They feel the competition would be too stiff for some of the smaller or more cash-strapped countries, I guess. So, in Cambodia, the winner will go to the newly formed tertiary or third-place international club tournament that will be called the AFC Challenge League. So, here's the looking forward to that. You get a bunch of teams that normally don't don't get to win very much internationally, getting a realistic shot. Now, in Cambodia, the regular season is nearly over. The top four, by the way, will make the domestic playoffs. One team will get relegated, equally relevant for this match. Your matchup, they were number one. Currently, they are number B, as we're recording, Phnom Penh Crown, taking on number 10, Kiravong Soksen Che. Kiravong uh, won, actually, when they played earlier in the season at their place, one to nil. So, am I speaking too soon about this being a road kill match in waiting. Well, if you look at all the other numbers, yes. Uh, Phnom Penh Crown, they are known as the Red Singa, which is a lion, but more specifically, it's like a supernatural or lion deity. It's right on their crest. Very elegant. A uh, little note about them. 2000, they've been through a number of uh, name changes. Not unusual for clubs anywhere in the world, but for one year, the 2005 season, and I don't know why, they were known as Hello United. Yeah, and that's not like a you know weirdly spelled Romanized word you know from uh, the Khmer language or something. That's H E L L O. Hello. 
All right, funny-wise, they have won eight league titles and are your league defending champions. Uh, their best international finish, they won five matches to make last year's Asian Cup Zonal Semifinal. Think of that as something like making the round of eight in a major competition. That was last year. The club was only founded in 2001. This year, uh, their success is based on their balance. Their best offense, second best defense, giving up only a little bit over a goal per match. Second best overall goal differential. They're not my favorite to retake the league lead, but they'll probably get three points closer on Saturday. Key players to look for should you be able to find an internet stream on this. A distant second in scoring, but still very solid. 12 goals for Shintaro Shimitsu from Japan. Plays forward for them. He came up with a very famous team and a team new favorite, Urawa Red Diamonds. Second best in league assists with four is Fak uh, Sokavilla. He is a left back for them. Uh, 23 years old. Made his first national team appearance just last year, did the young fella. And then tied for number one in clean sheets in goal with a half dozen of those is Um, that's just U-M, uh, Vichette. Uh, 2002, by the way, that guy was with a club called Tiffy Army, and in addition to playing, he was their goalkeeper coach. I think I know what his future has in store for him. Team's current form, they have won five straight. And now, struggling Kiravong, they are known as the Roosters, a little bit newer club founded in 2007. Kiravong, uh, that is a district, and then that is in the uh, Takeo province. Uh, the town that used to be known by the same name as the district, Kiravong, is now known as uh, Don Cave. And uh, it's got about 40,000 people. This is an area very well known for handcrafted silk woven products. People still go to those markets all the time for them. Interestingly, the team self-relegated, I'm sure for financial reasons, in 2016. And then they had a really bad year in that division, and they were relegated yet again down to the third tier. And yet, for some reason or other, must just be a lack of teams. In 2019, they were invited to come all the way back up to the Premier League once again, where they are once again proving uh, they're biting off more than they can chew. Last year, they finished in eighth place. This year, the defense, it's not good, but the offense is the worst. In a league where you do need to do some scoring, they are only averaging one goal per match. They have, are tied for worst on goal differential in the league. Uh, your team scoring leaders for this team, most valuable ones they have, uh, with three each, are a Brazilian named Romario Alves and a Japanese player named Dylan uh, Nobiraki. Team's current form, 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three, which is uh, pretty good considering that is one of only three matches they have won since February of 2022. Woof. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. All right, our earlier trip to the Caribbean region was so good that I think we need to come back again, even if it's for the most meaningless match in the world. Two teams more or less smack dab in the middle of their table. They're not stressing over uh, winning the league, international play, or probably getting relegated if their league even has it. We're headed to Bermuda. You're welcome. On Saturday, the winner gets to go to the aforementioned CONCACAF Club Shield. Two out of the ten teams will get relegated. They're a little bit over halfway through the season. And again, just kind of Netflixing and chilling between their matches is number five Paget Lions versus number four Hamilton Parish. I don't have a lot about either of these uh, teams, but let's see. All right, Hamilton Parish, they lead the Lions by one on goal differential is all. 
Hamilton Parish Day Trail, number one, Pembroke Hamilton by 13 points. You can see they're not going to be catching up. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Paget Lions, they lead number, si- number nine, rather, Somerset Trojans by six points. So pretty safe from relegation. When they played earlier this season at Hamilton Parish, it was the home team that got a 3-2 win. Paget Lions... Uh, they are from the southwest part of the country. Uh, Paget has a population of maybe 6,500. I only can assume that they were in a second division last year. I just know that they weren't in this league for sure. Uh, right now, they are uh, saddled with a 4-2-4 and record, perfectly meaningless. They're a little bit worse than average on offense and a little bit better than average on defense. Number four goal differential. They might climb up a little bit, but not much. And certainly not based on their current form, wouldn't, wouldn't expect it. They're 0-2-3 in their last five, although they have gotten two straight draws. Meanwhile, Hamilton Parish, they're on the far end of the country, up in the uh, northwest, uh, about a similarly sized town, about 6,000. They're also known as the Hot Peppers, which I assume is just a play on the HP of Hamilton Parish. Uh, this team, I know, got promoted to this level, and they have been in Division One since 2013. Last year, they finished in fifth place, so pretty meaningless then, pretty meaningless now. They have the exact same offensive and defensive stats as uh, the Pageant Lions, except they have scored all of one more goal on the year. Team's current form, uh, they just earned a draw, and that snapped a four-batch win streak. Back to Africa we go one more time, but this time not to end the show on notes of happiness or joy, but with wailing and gnashing of teeth. After all, this is the match of... And the Herculean scorn, yeah, he's been saving that up for this Thursday match, has Kevin Zorbo, for this matchup from the Ethiopian Premier League, where we won't even talk about how many teams are going to get to go to international competition. Who cares? These two are at the bottom. Three out of the 16 teams are going to get relegated. They're only about a third of the way through the season. So is redemption possible? Yes. Is it likely? <laughs> of course not. All right, let's take a look at number 16, Hambariko Dorame versus number 15, Shashamene Kenema. Shashamene, they currently lead uh, Durame by one point in the table, and they trail Awasa Kenema by five points in the table. If you happen to be curious, I, I don't know about Hembarico. Well, that's a mountain, but uh, Kenema simply means city, uh, means city. So you'll see that at the end of a lot of Ethiopian teams. These are your only two winless teams in the league. Let's take a look at them. <clears throat> Maybe you should do it like you're looking at an eclipse. Cut a hole in a piece of cardboard so you don't have to look at them directly. Because they're awful, quite frankly. All right, Hambarico Durame. Durame is the city out of which they play. It's in the southeast part of the nation, about 25,000 people. Club was founded in 2007. I can only assume they got promoted this year uh, because last year they were not in the Premier League. They have the worst offense going, barely getting over one goal every uh Three matches. <laughs> One of the worst I've seen. Tied for worst on defense to boot. Worst overall goal differential. These guys are going down. Uh, team's current form. They actually, credit where it's due, did just earn a draw. And that snapped a five-match losing streak. But it was a nil-nil draw. So I still want to mock them for not having scored in their last seven matches. Maybe they need a sign with an arrow on it. Kick the ball that way. And you flip it around at halftime. All right. Shashamene. That is a city that is in the south-central part of the country. About 200,000 people or so. 
very much known historically for its large Rastafarian community. And you might, you know, there's some, you know, certain kind of comical stereotypes that are associated with that. But uh, that's been a real serious thing, is particularly with uh, waves of Jamaican immigrants coming over and a lot of political uh, infighting and outfighting and all kinds of fighting going on over there over the decades. Uh, the club was founded in 1993. They, too, were not in the Premier League last year and doesn't look like they'll be there next year. Uh, they are only a little bit better on both offense and defense. They're almost getting two-thirds of a goal per match on average. Ooh, twice as good as their opponents today. And interestingly, they have managed exactly three straight draws and not all scoreless ones. So even though they have picked up points in their last ones and could be on their way up thanks to those matches, we will still not wish these clubs good luck or good fortune, but rather we will heckle and shoo them away in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. Boo. And that's a wrap on episode number 170 of Soccer Noob, Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, the former Interno Inferno, for all of his inspired efforts and creative inspirations. To my daughter, Person Noob, thank you very much for continuing to do this even busy little middle schooler as you now are. And thank you to you for finding us, tuning us in. We hope that you've enjoyed it. We've endeavored to create a very unique show and that if you liked it, you'll consider passing us along to your footy-minded friends. Until we can do it again in a few days, have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care. Ooh, hot chicken. All right.